0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The conservative review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew a revolution for our life, liberty, and property here at CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today for a brand new week of broadcast. The first day of the week, but the last day of October, Halloween, which is really every day of the year at this point a transhumanist nightmare. Uh, Our entire country and government and way of life has become one haunted house. But on the other hand, there is a revolution, or at least the opportunity for a revolution afoot. Will we capitalize upon it? And really at this point, the only thing that can save Democrats... Are Republicans. You see, Democrats and Republicans aren't synonymous with liberty and tyranny. Well, Democrats definitely all, are all tyranny, but Republicans are not necessarily liberty. In fact, most of them are not. So you could very well have a scenario where the Democrats could get crushed, have pretty bad prospects for the future, But the tyranny continues to get worse because Republicans ensure it. So assuming the tyranny does get worse, this is why I've been laying down the marker pre-election to make it clear to you guys that the reality is it didn't have to be this way. And the only reason why it would be that way is because Republicans are making it happen. Naturally, you look at the power the GOP is about to accumulate in the states, there are You know, unless something crazy happens, we'll take over the House and the Senate. And then the fact that they have a Democrat president who is so unpopular, uh, so inarticulate, cognitive decline, uh, vice president as well, by the way, extremely unpopular and almost seems like she has dementia as well. There has never been a better time to fight for liberty. They'll have an entire generation of their Gen X bench of big presidential candidates, other big stars, demolished. They'll have nothing headed in the future other than maybe Gavin Newsom, who is the California governor, try winning nationwide as California being a punchline, and you led them into decline. So they're actually in a pretty bad state of being, not just during this election, but really headed into the future. But the Republicans could easily bail them out. It's all going to come down to having an agenda immediately with that window of opportunity from the momentum of the people saying, we want change, we want help, we want a lifeline, we want a life, th- a life raft. Are we going to respond with very specific strategies and issues at the federal level and at the state level? At the federal level, it's all about the budget bill. State level, it's all about sovereignty bills, pushing back up against the feds on every issue that matters. But if we don't focus on it, I will tell you, tyranny will get worse, even as the Democrat Party itself is unpopular. And let me give you a great example. Our sponsor today, Moinkbox. Okay. Part of why food is now being destroyed, kind of like medicine, is because we have this artificial monopoly of Bill Gates style. Chinese connected entities buying up all the land so this way they can not only artificially inflate the prices, create a food shortage, but give you garbage and transhumanist food, eventually just eating bugs and drinking sewage. Moinkbox delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pasture pork and chicken, and sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon straight to your door with your monthly order if you go to moinkbox.com slash conservative right now. And by the way, listeners to this show could also get free filet mignon for an entire year by ordering their monthly boxes. But it's a, it's a you know, limited time. Best-tasting filet mignon you'll ever taste. This is how to solve the issue by supporting American independent farmers, uh, fifth-generation farmer. They've been doing this out in Missouri for a long time. You could choose your meat delivered in every box from ribeyes to chicken breasts to pork chops to salmon filets, and you could cancel any time if, for some odd reason, you don't like it. But, again, no additives, no antibiotics, no inflammation, the healthiest, best-tasting protein you'll get. Go to moinkbox.com conservative, M-O-I-N-K box.com conservative, and make sure to sign up for a year-free filet mignon. And what I mean here is, folks, with Moinkbox, so one of the biggest issues I don't hear anyone talking about, but it would be so popular, and it would speak to the very essence of what's going on right now with the food, fuel, and natural resources being locked up is the land ownership issue. The land ownership issue. Shouldn't one of the first things that they do when they take over Congress be to pass a bill to at least sell off lands to the states at a cheap price so they can reclaim ownership of their land? Most of you know, if you live out in the West, you certainly do, but... Even in the east, most of you should know that the majority of land in most western states is owned by the federal government. It's certainly evident in places like Nevada and Utah, Idaho, Oregon—big problems. Uh, but really, all of the western states to the west of, uh, you know, the the Texas through North Dakota Great Prairie Great Plains line. All of those states, it ranges from 20 to 85%. So, Alaska, Nevada are almost all owned by the feds. Other states is like half and half, or at least 40%. That locks up the land usage, the food, the fuel, um, and the mining, the natural resources. If you want to prevent the COVID fascism equivalent on food and fuel, scarcity, high prices, bad quality, poisoning, potentially, of Americans, our way of life at stake, you got to decentralize that. Because when you have federal control, you know exactly what that means. It means Bill Gates control, it means China control, it means WEF-style control. Very big issue. But it's also very popular and very easy to sell to the people. So it's not just in the states that Republicans already control, like Wyoming and Idaho, but even in states where they struggle or at least it's competitive or somewhat blue, Colorado, New Mexico, Nevada. Big, big issue. Oregon as well, by the way. I don't understand why we're not hearing that, but that is a very important action item. And frankly, you know what I believe. I believe states should just grab it back on their own. Because we are about to face a European-style energy lockdown and rationing. A lot of people think, oh, it's not so bad, Gas prices, they're high, but they did go down relative to the craziness. And that is all strategically designed to be just for the election. Enjoy it for the next week because it will go up immediately afterwards because it was manipulated. Because Biden drew down like half of the strategic petroleum, re- petroleum reserve. And that's going to come at a huge cost now. But we're already going to have this problem. Now, in the eastern United States, including the northeast, the beginning of November is going to be unseasonably warm because October was unseasonably cold. And, you know, it keeps bouncing back and forth, the east and the west, the jet stream troughing and ridging. We used to call it weather. And, you know, by the end of November, it's going to get cold again. And you have a situation in the northeast of the United States where they're really on the path to to Europe. So a lot of people focus on gas prices. There's nothing more that will agitate people than gas prices. Why? Because it's very evident. It's displayed everywhere you drive at the pump, and you fill it up, and you feel the pain all in one shot. But in reality, what's even worse than high gasoline is the high cost of diesel. And unlike gasoline, that hasn't even come down off the peak of the spring insanity from the controlled demolition of sanctions on Russia – uh, on behalf of Ukraine, I mean it's a slightly off the peak, but it's 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 what it's like five dollars thirty one cents a gallon for diesel. That is devastating because that has a lot to do with home uh, heating in much of the Northeast, New England. New England last decade declared war on coal and natural gas, so they don't have enough pipelines and storage terminals. So even though we have record uh, natural gas production, although we could have a lot more with fracking in the Marcellus Shale, you know, in Pennsylvania, in those areas. And hopefully Doug Mastriano will win. That's why it's so important to get that in place. But it's a pipeline bottleneck. And then coal they gave up on a long time ago. So they're very, very scrapped. Very, very scrapped. And a lot of those old, old homes in the old Northeast rely on oil for heating. And then, of course, diesel powers trucks. Trucks are everything. That's the force multiplier of a supply chain, right? Everything comes from trucks. So, you know, when gasoline goes up, okay, you pay more for your car. But you'll you'll probably pay more in food and every other item because of the price of diesel than you would even for gasoline. And that hasn't even superficially gone down before the election. So... This is a serious, serious thing. In other words, everyone agrees that this issue is a problem. Okay, Republicans, I think, are in unison. But like I said before, even the issues that Republicans are with us on, they're very talking point deep, like crime. They're all running ads on crime, and as I said for years, they're stupid for not running on the issue. It's very popular with the public. But on the other hand, let's face it, what are they going to do about it? Mandatory minimums? Very few are promising that. Same thing with with uh, energy. I think everyone agrees we need more pipelines, we need more production, permitting, storage facilities, everything. Okay, that's nice. But how are you going to implement that? And it needs to be a two-pronged approach. Number one, it's got to be the budget bill. And number two, it's got to be States. States' sovereignty. Meaning, I want to be very clear here. It's not just on things that are unconstitutional, that certainly states have the responsibility to enforce the Constitution, or you know, if the feds are coming to violate individual rights of the residents within the states, they have an obligation to interpose against that. But it's even more than that. Even if they have the constitutional right, like interstate commerce, so they could regulate this stuff, technically, but if they're prima facie doing so in a way that violates the social compact, meaning where no sane person could say they're governing in accordance with the uh, pursuit of general welfare, they're not trying to do good for the people, they're literally blowing up our energy. They're locking it up. States have an obligation to unlock it. And again, Republicans in Congress need to write provisions in the budget bill, to make it easier for states to do it. But I would argue even if they don't do it, states should do it anyway. We need to hold them accountable. Because this is my fear. What happens? Oh, it's terrible energy, the prices. All right, so the public's like, let's vote Republican. And now they're like, well, states don't have control over it. And the feds, well, we don't have 60 votes in the Senate. We don't have the presidency. So you got to wait another two years. We cannot wait another two years. And I want to go over this, but first, our sponsor for today is Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider. They have been on the front lines fighting for your values rather than destroying your values and joining with the government to spy on you like AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile are doing. Um, Inflation has made it really hard on Americans, but thankfully, Patriot Mobile has plans for almost any budget. They offer the same nationwide coverage as every major carrier. So it's not like you got to change your phone number or settle for spotty coverage. You get the same great service plus the knowledge and confidence that your money is actually going to support our values, Second Amendment, sanctity of life, and religious freedom. So if you don't want to fund the cartel, switch today. Go to patriotmobile.com CR or call 972-PATRIOT. Use offer code CR to get free activation. And also remember... If you're a veteran first responder, we have tons of veterans in the audience. Please let them know because they have a special discount just for you at patriotmobile.com CR or 972patriot. Our diesel stockpiles have been down over 30% since Biden took office. So you might have seen in the news we have a 25-day supply left, lowest level since 20, 2008, headed into the winter especially. And while the price of gasoline has again, it's slightly off the peak, but the price of diesel is pretty much at the peak. So that's a very very big problem. You add to it that the strategic petroleum reserves have been depleted. I believe um, what do we typically have what seven eight hundred million uh, barrels in it. It has been depleted beyond belief. It's left with just 401 million as of today. By the end of the year, Biden would have drawn down 260 million barrels, the lowest level since June 1984. There's nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. They're choking it off at all ends. So they picked a time to embargo Russia create all these supply chain shortages, both from the war and residual from COVID fascism. Right as they were shutting down production, shutting down pipelines, creating more FERC regulations, right? The Federal Energy Regulatory Commission has been creating more and more greenhouse gas uh, studies and uh, hoops that they have to jump through to build any, any energy infrastructure for oil gas or coal. We only have 129 refineries left in the country, and I believe only seven in the entire Northeast. And most are already operating near capacity. That's an utter disaster. We've lost over 1 million barrels per day of output refinery capacity since Trump left office. We cannot wait. We cannot wait to have a fight. Government shutdown. Those two words are your friend, and here's why. Because we cannot wait to ramp up energy infrastructure, pipelines, um, terminals, oil, coal. We cannot wait to deregulate the oil refineries. The ethanol mandate must go. Imagine taking the fact that we really haven't had refineries built in the last 30 years, they're old, they're operating at high capacity. So many have gone offline the last decade, just like our nuclear power plants. And we're making them sit and blend odious and inefficacious crap fuel that raises the cost of both food and fuel and makes sure you get less bang for the buck in your tank. Ethanol. And yet, half the Republicans support ethanol. It's unbelievable. Forcing independent refiners to put that garbage in. Hey, buddy. Iowa farmers, if you love your ethanol, go get your own refinery and blend it. Leave people alone. That was like the Pfizer mandate. That's like the equivalent of a Pfizer mandate with energy. I'm not hearing a single Republican promise to get rid of that. But again, it's got to be put in the budget. And this is why it's so important. The number one rallying cry. It's the force multiplier of fighting for medical freedom, fighting the border, fighting Um, trannyism, fighting the FBI and DHS and IRS uh, coming after Americans and fighting for energy production and against an energy lockdown is saying no omnibus bill during the lame duck session. Pass a continuing resolution, have it expire February or March so that the new Republican Congress could deal with it. We cannot wait to have this fight. They'll have no leverage. With an energy shutdown. And I want you to understand the power of a budget brinkmanship with the specter and potential of a government shutdown. On this particular issue, there's two nuances that weren't there during the previous government shutdown battles, you know, since 1995. Number one. The nation as a whole went through a real shutdown, a lockdown, a lockdown of the private sector, a lockdown of private business and private lives, schools. Ask any American, do you remember the March through May or even longer in a lot of places, much longer in a lot of places, whole year, year and a half for COVID? Well, not a single person will forget it for the rest of their lives. Ask the average American, do you remember the longest government shutdown ever? 35 days. I believe it was like around Christmas time, 2018 through the end of January 2019. And most people will be like, what? What are you talking about? I don't remember it. Oh, except for the government workers. They'll remember it because they got 35 days straight with pretty expeditious. Immediately they got back pay. So one or two weeks, they had to have make sure you had extra money in your checking account. Let me ask you guys, would you, would you take, if someone said, look, you're not going to get paid for 35 days, so you'll miss one or two paychecks, but you'll guarantee, there was never any doubt they would get paid back. I don't want to hear this cry over that. That's a political football. Everyone knows government workers will get paid. And you get 35 days off. Hey, I'd take that any day of the week. OK, so no one remembers that. No one cares. It doesn't affect your life. So you mean we're going to allow the government to shut down our lives because you're worried about a government shutdown? The juxtaposition is very powerful if we actually had an articulate GOP leadership that believed in what we believe in. And then moreover, this very issue, I mean, we want to shut down fight over several things, but o- over the energy issue. So wait a minute, you're going to have, if we, don't, if we don't stop the Democrats from the war on energy, we're going to have blackouts. We're going to have a real shutdown. It could be the ability to get goods and services, food, travel in your car, trucks to go on the roads, and to get home heating. And we're supposed to care about a government bureau- bureaucrat partial shutdown? Are you kidding me? That is the most important leverage Strategy and issue and messaging post-election. That's what I care about. Not about, ooh, okay, what are the latest polls? We'll find out in a week. Where Pelosi's husband's gay orgy he had in the middle of the night. It's funny, like like every other soap opera story, Republicans focus on it, or conservative commentators focus on everything except for what matters. There's only one thing that matters about that is it demonstrates the depravity of the people at the very top. You want to know why they're pushing immoral, inhumane, illogical policies upon us. Because they personally live immoral, inhumane, and illogical lives. Yeah, so who else sits and has a hammer fight in their underwear with another male at 2.30 in the middle of the night? Obviously he does. I mean, our first reaction was, oh my gosh, you see, even the third third in line to the president, her house could get broken into. That's how bad crime is in San Francisco. But then I started to wonder, well, yeah, exactly. Even with it being that bad, she is the third in line with president. After January 6th, she essentially got almost like Secret Service level protection. How in the world does that happen? And then over the weekend, we kind of got the details and... Well, we don't know everything, and it's going to trickle out, and the media is going to cover it up. But I think it's pretty clear, roughly, what was going on there. That's who these people are. For some reason, it all gets back to that. I still maintain that America was on decline, but it fell off a cliff right around when the homosexual agenda proliferated. They're all involved in that. It's just, it's just so bizarre. But I digress. I digress. The important thing to recognize is these people are horrible. Therefore, their policies must be reversed. I don't want to talk about how crazy and hypocritical and nutty the Democrats and the media are as an end to itself. I want to use that as a tool. It's the same thing. Twitter is not an end. It's a tool. But to to, too many of my colleagues, Twitter is an end. Oh, we we reached the top of the Candyland board. We got our Twitter back. And I I still haven't gotten my Twitter back. And I don't know how long that's going to take. I mean, those that are already on Twitter seem to have more freedom to say what they want, but those of us who are canned still haven't been restored. And uh, who knows? I Now I have to assume I won't be restored before the election. So, so much for that. But again, that's just a means, not an end. So my point is, Democrats are in a horrible situation with energy. Typically, what was the fight over during the Newt Gingrich days? It was over oh, you know, we want to give you home heating assistance, and Newt Gingrich wants to take it away from you. Well, that was harder to fight because people like free stuff. Now they're promising you scarcity. And we're, we need to say, we will only fund a government that funds your home heating. What is so hard about that? But I'm telling you, Republicans, will save them by voting for the omnibus bill, take away the leverage on that and every other issue for a year. And then the states do. Well, the federal feds own the land, and that's a federal issue. We can't just come up with our own drilling and pipeline policy. But, you know, the states need to get together. Consecutive, contiguous states need to get together and build their own pipelines. Anything short of that, the Democrats might remain unpopular, but their policies and the consequences of them will Prevail. Let me just demonstrate. Let me just demonstrate the point here of how unpopular the Democrats are and how much potential there is for us to pursue their retreat, to follow them and annihilate them, to press the advantage. Again, it's like Stonewall Jackson after the first battle of Manassas it's David versus Goliath. You cannot afford to just be happy with a temporary victory of one battle. You cannot avoid pressing your advantage because that is the only way in the long run you're ever going to win. You don't get too many breaks when you're fighting Goliath. And COVID fascism is the biggest one. Many of you might have seen this morning, there's an article out in the Atlantic written by Professor Emily Oster where she's calling on amnesty for the pandemic. Basically, hey, 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 you know, we, we all made mistakes. We were in the dark. We were scared about the pandemic. We do not really know. Let's not blame each other. Let's kind of move on. Okay? It was very clearly strategically planted there. I'll just read you the last sentence. The standard saying is that those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. But dwelling on the mistakes of history can lead to a repetitive doom loop as well. Let's acknowledge that we made complicated mistakes choices in the face of deep uncertainty and then try to work together to build back and move forward. So that tells you that they are very scared of exactly the thing that Steve Dace and I are calling for with our book The Rise of the Fourth Reich which by the way is still available at trialsandexecution.com and when you go there and put in your email you'll you can not only pre-order the book but even if you don't want to do that and spend any money at least sign up for free you can get our opening statement in the mock trial of our book it's about 8000 words all free and that's a, actually literally a prebuddle to what emily oster is saying it's a prebuddle to the point that no this wasn't an honest mistake that we were just in the dark and didn't know it was preplanned. It was done on purpose. It was done even after it was known that everything was harmful. And to this day, this is the irony. She's acting like it's over with. And we're just looking back retrospectively. Do we punish? Do we wave fingers? No, that's if it's not going on. They're genuinely sorry. They genuinely join with us to legally prevent this from happening again. And we're like, okay, then don't, you know, try to lock people and execute them. Fine. Maybe I can go for that. But none of that's happening. The consequences of the shots, they're still being pushed. And even some of my colleagues that are responding to Emily Oster aren't doing it correctly. They're focusing mainly on the lockdowns. A lot of congressmen from Jim Jordan on down are responding to her on Twitter saying, are you kidding me? You shut us down. You shut down the churches. You shut down the schools. We're never going to forgive you. Okay, I agree with that. But at least the lockdowns are over. Now, statutorily, we need to end the emergency authority, which... Bizarrely, no Republican is promising to do. I'm not hearing that, like, HR1, this should be HR1. The first bill in the House should be ending emergency powers, but whatevs. But the vaccines are still being mandated on, on most colleges, medical schools, healthcare workers, and a lot of the military is still under that to some extent or at least under the looming threat, depending on if you got a, a temporary injunction from a court. And then again, it's much more than even the mandates. Even just to make it available, much less promote and fund and distribute and have all the health departments recommend, this is utter poison. The deaths are still going on. You can't even think about forgiveness. They're, they're still killing people in droves. Every second you just Google. I think someone came up with just from nine days, there's 100 headline, headline titles worth of sudden death. People dying. So the Democrats are desperate to move on and Republicans are desperate to allow them to move on. Again, the only thing that can save Democrats are Republicans. They're terrified of us opening the books on the cause of the pandemic, the planning of it, the denial of treatment, the treatment in the hospitals from And obviously everything about the about the shots and what they have planned In the future, I want you guys to listen to about a minute of audio here from Mark Van Ronst, R A N S T. He's the Belligan Flu Commissioner. And he's describing the swine flu response, but it really applies to COVID and everything they plan with the Great Reset, how they operate. Let's take a listen here.
1: I'll tell you about my experiences being the the crisis manager, the flu commissioner for for Belgium and, and, and highlighting the communication uh, aspects there. And then you have one opportunity to do it right. I mean, day one is so important. Uh, in day one, you start your communication with the press, with the people, and, uh, and you have to do it right. I mean, you have to go for one voice, one message. In Belgium, they chose to uh, appoint a non-politician to do that. I mean, I have no party affiliations, and that makes things a little bit, at that time at least, a little bit easier, because you're not not attacked politically. Majority, minority, uh, that doesn't come into play, and that was a huge advantage. The second advantage is that you can play in Brussels the complete naive guy. And, uh, and get a lot more done than you would otherwise be, uh, be able to do. You have to be omnipresent that first day or the first days, so that you attract the media attention, uh, you you make an agreement with them that you will tell them all, and if they call, you will pick up the phone. When you do that, then you can profit from these early days to, uh, to get complete carpet coverage of the field, and they're not going to search for alternative voices there. And if you do that, that makes things uh, a lot easier.
0: So so folks, you heard, you heard a couple interesting things there. Couple, couple of interesting things. So number one, he noted that you have to start from day one. You have to have one unified message, one voice from day one. So first off, it shows you how it was planned. It wasn't like, oh, we were in the dark. We, we didn't know. No, they, they knew exactly what they were doing. And also, he he made a very profound point there. Why bipartisanship matters. He said you have to have one voice, and he's right. He said you can't be attacked if both, he didn't say parties, but that's what he meant, both parties agree. And they won't search for alternative voices. This is such a profound statement. So many people don't understand my argument. That when you have certain Republicans that are not just rhinos, but they're leaders for the other side on the fundamental issues of our time, why I believe it's actually better they don't win even the general election because it's not just, oh, a bad Republican versus a Democrat. It's that they're going to be a conduit to create consensus within the ranks of the right to do what the left wants so people cannot seek or find alternatives and they create consensus. Any – this is so important – any transformational policy requires that both major political parties sign off on it. You could sometimes have a one-off thing that happens very subtly or quietly that no one knows about that that they were able to get away with. And, and usually even then, it's only because the other side allows them because they don't call it out and publicize it. But certainly something like a COVID lockdown, an energy lockdown, I mean, you could only do that if you have bipartisan buy-in. Again, you might have a certain number of backbenchers in the other party opposed to it. But at a leadership level, the ones that matter are going to really push it. And, and, and this is why. I mean, no one understands. Hey, go enjoy yourself with Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania. Oh, my gosh. It's crazy. Fetterman, you can't. We have to defeat him. All right, that's fine. Okay, go do it. Just just remember what I'm telling you, that he passionately believes in pharma and everything they're doing more than Fetterman And he's much more lucid, sly, and capable to do it, even as a standalone, but certainly as a Republican, he is going to be Pfizer's senator. Just remember that. Just remember that. But that's the key. Only Republicans could save Democrats on the COVID issue. And and with that, I want to go through some of the latest news we're seeing. To demonstrate why this is not over, it's still going on. I mean, you had Ashton Carter, Obama's Secretary of Defense just dropped dead of, quote, "a sudden cardiac event." I mean, this is happening everywhere. People don't realize. We have two Democrat senators, two Democrat senators out of 50. That's one in 25. It's an interesting universe that had sudden strokes. That people don't realize, and then we have a third. If you want to count him as another one, because he's a senatorial candidate, Fetterman is a candidate. That's a pretty small universe to have three, um, three senators, senators or senatorial candidates get a sudden stroke, and they're pretty young. I mean, Chris Van Hollen of Maryland, K. Okay, he's sixty; he was sixty-two. That's still pretty young. No health problems, and Ben Ray Lujan of new mexico i think he was in his 40s so this is crazy it's happening everywhere it's it's a it's accelerating so let's take a look at some of the recent news we have here oxford paper international journal of epidemiology they found negative efficacy 60 to 80 days out from the first dose. So if you get one dose, you will have negative efficacy. 60 to 80 days. They they say, oh, you need a shot every year now. They're going to say, dude, every year? You reach negative efficacy between two and three months. And we've seen that already. I mean, I didn't need Oxford to tell me that. Two doses of Pfizer. So they compared Pfizer and AstraZeneca, one dose, two doses. Two doses of Pfizer was actually the best of the four permutations, one, two, and uh, Pfizer AstraZeneca but it went negative a little bit later. The second dose of AstraZeneca actually made the risk of hospitalization and death even worse than than the first. So there's this big myth now that and Republicans and phony conservatives you lied about transmission. No, you lied about protection from hospitalization and death too. Because, again, they're, the whole Republican thing is to try to say, oh, I just oppose mandates, so that's why they only want to address the lie on transmission. And, by the way, just so you know, even if it blocked transmission, it's still a lie on a mandate because so what? If it blocks transmission, it, it, it doesn't matter if it blocks transmission. So the pe- still, the people who don't get it are not affecting other people. They're stupid themselves for not getting it, right? You got it. So what do you have to worry about? Oh, it blocks transmission. You have to get it for public health. Well, what do you mean? It's only the people that don't get it. But anyway, it's not. It's, it's, it doesn't work for death and hospitalization either. And again, I want to make it very clear. This study, all the studies you hear, it takes forever for them to come out. The study period, do you know when it was? December 8th, 2020, through June of 2021, ages ago, a year and a half to two years ago. So this was mainly the original strain into the beginning of Delta. I've told you this many times. Right now, it's straight-up negative efficacy because it's immune imprinting, because it caused viral immune escape, the mutations, so it doesn't recognize it, um, and it responds inappropriately right away. But I've always said... The original strain gave you cheap antibodies that did have temporary efficacy against a degree of critical illness for some people. For some people. But actually, it's worse than only causing damage and having zero efficacy. The partial efficacy against critical illness for a few months in the original strain came at a cost... Because like this study shows even for that strain after 60 to 80 days, this is not now. Oh yeah, Daniel, that's Omicron. No, this was this was the original vaccine drive. Went negative after 60 to 80 days. Maybe a little bit longer, two doses of Pfizer. Took four or five months in some cases. So you y- you can't this is this is the, the illusory thing. Like You know, let's say I give you any therapeutic that bolsters you, but then at the end of the day, it puts you in a worse position than when you started. You don't, you know, advocate or advertise the product as, oh, it helps this much. No, you look at the end result is what matters. It's negative efficacy, and it always was. And again, the fact that it had a degree of antibody protection is what causes that. If it was just totally an air ball, it would have been better. No runs, no hits, no errors. But because the the antibodies did register, A, you have all the injury from it, and B, you have the negative efficacy. So very important study from Oxford. Another important point here. here. Population with a disability is skyrocketing. There is now, we have now had an increase of 3.33 million individuals being added to the ranks of the disabled, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, since December 2019, since the vaccination, 3.3 million added. If it ain't the vaccines causing it, it's something else that isn't, it's funny for all the talk of a national emergency, this is a public health emergency, the sudden deaths, sudden disabilities, and no one seems to care. But, as we've proven many times, the 3.3 million disabled is actually perfectly, perfectly squares with when you look at the percentage at any survey study that shows the percentage of, of life-threatening or long-term injuries from the shot, it would get you right in that, in that zone, okay? It would get you right in that zone of, you know, kind of 1%, 1% experiencing that. Let's go on here. They're going to warn – another thing that they're going to continue doing, and this is not over with, is have you killed and have you inherited. They'll kill us and inherit us. So they'll cause more ailments, and they'll be like, oh, my gosh, we need more vaccines. Remember the twin demic they called – they talked about last year, oh, you're going to have the flu along with COVID. Now they're saying you're going to have a triple-demic, COVID flu and RSV. Now, a lot of you remember we talked about at the time the out-of-season record RSV last spring and summer. Well, now we're already having a very bad RSV now. Why did we suddenly have a bad RSV after the summer or the spring last season out-of-season? Well, it's the same reason we're going to have a bad flow of it right now. This is from... Um, redvoicemedia.com, Vigilant Fox has a, has a great, uh, great page there. Hospital beds are filling up as RSV cases surge across the U.S. and Canada. In, in one San Diego school, they saw nearly 40% of students taking absence after a hard-hitting respiratory wave. Um, he notes that Del Bigtree of the High Wire put together some information on his show, and he pointed out in the trial of two- to five-year-olds in the Moderna trial here's what it said this is in the Moderna trial within 28 days after vaccination some respiratory tract related infections were reported with greater frequency in the mRNA 1273 group that's Moderna than in the placebo group events of pneumonia were reported by 0.3% of the trial group but 0% of the recipients of the placebo recipients respiratory syncytial virus RSV infection was reported in 0.4% of the trial participants but less than 0.1 in the placebo group that's that's a four-time that that's that's a fourfold greater risk folks compared to the unvaccinated if you move on to 6 to 11 year olds in Moderna it is 0.3% Versus 0%, again, in RSV, and in terms of just general upper respiratory tract infections, which that obviously you're always going to get, so it's not going to be 0 because everyone gets those 3.9 in the vaccinated to 2.5 in the, in the unvaccinated. And again, you know, thankfully, most young, young kids didn't get it, but you get more 5 to 11 and certainly 11 to 16, you know, good percentage did get the shots, So certainly more than enough to create this problem. Pfizer, you look at the six-month to four-year-old third-dose trial. Severe adverse events reported in the trial group included RSV, bronchiolitis, five participants, and RSV bronchiolitis, three participants. Again, none in the placebo group. So... This is very, very serious. And you know what they're going to do? Just in time next year, phase three ch- trial of Moderna's RSV, corona, and flu uh, mRNA triple combo. And Republicans will be, oh, j- just don't mandate it. Just don't mandate it. This thing's other poison. It's causing it. Meaning, not only is it causing all these deaths, unimaginable, all these disabilities, it's actually causing the ailments. It causes respiratory – because, again, as Dr. Dan Stock taught us last year, all throughout the year, when we would have him on, when you give blood-based antibodies for the wrong type, or even if it's the right ailment, but certainly the wrong ailment, you have original antigenic sin. You teach the body to respond very inefficiently, and it doesn't send the National Guard, the macrophages, the T-cells up to the respiratory tract. It just pisses around in circles in the blood. So, you have a slower response. So, you're going to get sicker more often and you're going to get sicker more severely. Big, big problem there. Then you have U.S. mortality. Our, our buddy here that says Twitter thread, U.S. mortality. In week 38 of 2021, 85% of over 60 year olds in Germany were fully vaccinated. Okay? Yet. Since then, excess mortality has increased 174%. What is causing it? What is causing it? There's a Swedish study out titled Significant Incidence of Myocarditis After Third Dose of Anti-COVID-19 Messenger RNA Vaccine, if you want to look it up. So, again, we've noted... They say myocarditis is, you know, one in 5,000, one in 1,000 for certain groups and whatever. And, and that's horrific. We would normally pull a shot based on that. But we said likely the subclinical myocarditis and just broader heart damage is much, much greater frequency than you think. And that's what's causing all these sudden deaths out of nowhere because it goes clinical on you immediately. So, another data point here, according to this study, 3.7% of the women in their study. Much more than the men, by the way. You know We always think of men as the myocarditis. They had myocardial lesions. In other words, we've noted many times, you often don't pick up the inflammation on the um, cardiograms, the EKGs. The stress tests will come out fine. But if you do a cardiac MRI, you'll find scarring on the heart tissue. And that's what it's referring to. 3.7% of the women. (laughs) Dude, do do you understand what that is? That's like, what is that, 1 in 27? That's down to already 1 in 27. That's insane. Think of 3.7% of the women having some degree of heart damage. Maybe some will repair, and some won't see it, but a heck of a lot of them, it will take years off their life. 3.7% of women. Remember, 5.5 billion people got at least one dose of these shots, many, many of them, at least three shots throughout the world. 200, what is it, 224, 25 million people in the United States got at least two of them, and God knows how many got three or four. This is a Holocaust beyond belief, and Republicans don't want to talk about it Oh, just don't mandate it. We are way, way past that. And this is still going on. No desire to study it, compensate. Again, there's one thing it would be bad enough if they were like, oh my gosh, Daniel, we we agree, let's reconcile. Here, we're going to study how to treat it. We're going to study the extent of the damage. We're going to end liability protection. We're going to have a compensation fund. We're going to suspend all mRNA shots for the future and, you know, until... Uh, you know they're fixed even then it would be tough to walk away without trials and execution but they're doubling down on this stuff they are doubling down on all of this so let's go through some more studies we have Uh, this was a couple months ago but I think we might have missed it there's A trend of shingles. Everyone's getting shingles. I mean, this was seen literally from the first month of the shots by all the doctors that were treating people. Uh, So there's a study out titled Persistent Varicella Zoster virus infection following mRNA. They found loads of spike basically in the skin. So they would see all the lesions, you know, obviously shingles, very painful. And they would find spike protein everywhere. Spike is such a toxin and it literally could go everywhere in your body from the skin to the organs to the brain. I mean, it, it is, it boggles the human mind. But what it's happening is it's creating all of these autoimmune, immune suppression. So then they get to create panic over more stuff. You're gonna have all these things. And a lot of people might be, oh, they're lying. They're trying to create another contrived emergency. And sometimes it will be that, but sometimes it might be true. Because they created it. And in this case, they wouldn't have to create like another gain-of-function virus. Just the fact that they destroyed people's immune systems would be enough to account for that. So again, it's not enough for Republicans to just say, oh, I oppose mandates. And even then, by the way, they're not promising to do what it takes to end those mandates. This is why it is so important for the liability to go out the window. And it's not just on the vaccines. It almost appears that every single thing, every single thing that they have done has negative efficacy and or danger. Reuters ran a very scary headline on Friday, U.S. government to test Pfizer's Paxlovid for long covid So just like they did with the vaccines, they want to juice up Paxlovid, make it the end all, everything, more and more and more, expand it to more people. Doesn't work. Negative efficacy causes a rebound. Everyone recognizes this. Plain sight. Can you imagine something contraindicated with 30 categories? A study now out of England says it could cause blood clots. Isn't that interesting? Everything seems to cause blood clots. Leaves a metallic taste in your mouth, mixed with a heavy-duty AIDS drug, still experimental, and they're going to use it for long COVID. And there's no question, well, Danny, I'm not a doctor. Just don't mandate it. You can't do that as a matter of public policy. We need states to create a backstop to recommending against these products. And at a federal level, we need liability protection to be taken away that they should be like everybody else. Every single product. There's still no even promise to even end remdesivir, much less hold them accountable. Name you a Republican that's campaigning on that. How could we go on like this? And then I, I, some people have brought this up, but it makes you wonder with the monoclonal antibodies. I saw recently someone had a post, a listener, Aaron, sent this to me, of an individual that believes he had an injury from it, ruined his immune system. Remember, God designed us to produce the right sort of antibodies in the right measure at the right time in the right place. Now, monoclonal antibody treatments have been around for a while. The original antibodies did appear to fit for that version of it. I did feel it worked. I did feel that, you know, in a perfect world, if we would have had the availability of treatments, we shouldn't have had to resort to that. But I do stand behind my decision to endorse it just because there are so many people that couldn't get proper treatment, couldn't get stuff because of the pharmacies. And again, you have a lot of, like, dementia patients, elderly people that – it, realistically, because we didn't have proper research, we didn't get the treatment down to a science. So we had to take a lot of different things. It's not so simple to say, hey, t- tell your 80-year-old grandmother that's having you know cognitive decline, take 10 things a day. So to me, the monoclonal antibodies seem to be the straightest shot for those people. But it does make you wonder if that did come at a cost with autoantibodies and who knows. But every last thing these guys produce seems to be problematic. And by the way, I just want to note, um, there's an article out how nitazoxanide could help against all pox viruses. I don't have it in front of me, but we've mentioned before there's been a lot of focus on ivermectin, but nitazoxinide might be an even better player headed forward. And again, it's spelled N-I-T-A-Z-O-X-I-N-I-D-E, and... It is something we were using. It really should be cheap as anything, off patent, but one buyer bought up everything so it a monopoly, so you can only get it either from like a compound pharmacy here or order for cheap at one of these India overseas places. So a couple things here. Number one is we need to prepare for the winter for, for everything. Um, people that have ruined immune systems, shedding of the spike protein, Whatever else, pox viruses they plan on unleashing on us. It's crazy that we have to think this way, but it is true. So, this is something you want to get in general. You want to, um, well, look, I don't want to give medical advice. I'll just tell you what I do is, you know, D3 with K2. So, the mixture, uh, Blue Bonnet has a good one, but there's a couple of companies uh i take the five thousand. i use now i don't take it every day anymore just because my levels were ready in the 70s when i checked it last year so you know maybe i take it you know a few times a week but you have to know where your levels are you should get them checked um magnesium before you go to sleep is, is good to take um i don't always remember it's tough you know you get pill fatigue and let's see what else um selenium is a big one for your immune system vitamin a there's all different things, and, and maybe we'll try to streamline this, get a doctor on the show to talk about the, the, the fewest things that kind of pack the best uh, bang per buck. But these are ways to really, really fortify your, your immune system. And obviously zinc, you want to make sure your zinc levels are high. Um, a lot of people have been asking me about Seven Cells Pharmacy. I'm not going to get into the details, but because of Fourth Reich-related stuff, it's not, it's not a legal problem. It's just kind of like – more like cancel culture. They had to spin it off to a company in Delaware, earlytreatmentmeds.com, earlytreatmentmeds.com. So it works the same way. It's just through earlytreatmentmeds.com. Um, I believe promo code Daniel. So today is the 31st, but as of November 1st, they're going to have for the first two weeks of November 30% off. With promo code Daniel. Um, so that's the best deal you can get. Nidazoxanide, certain flu treatment packs. They have different things there you can get, different, you know, active form vitamin D, all different things. Take a look at that, pick out what you want. Um, look, I'll tell you openly the cheapest way to do this is to go to like All Day Chemist or one of these Indian places that uh, people recommend. And, you know, you can get tons of this a lot of bulk for much cheaper. Again, the issue is it could take 30 to 45 days. Customs could give issues and, you know, you just got to make sure they're reputable. It's hard to know. Also, from here, I could guarantee the purity, the purity of the compounding with India. You never know 100%. I'm not advocating against it. I'm just kind of throwing that all up to you. I don't, you know, I don't benefit from... Whether it's from the one here, I've gotten from India myself to have like an extra stash. But just keep in mind, you're guaranteed more purity with it coming from the American vendor. But folks, this is where it's at. We actually have to still protect against our own government poisoning us. It's not even a mandate anymore. It's our own government poisoning us. It's the liability. It's the states having their own commissions, their own approval, allowing doctors to speak out, go after the boards, the licensing pharmacies not per- prescribing or not uh filling prescriptions there are so many action items we need and where are republicans where are conservatives being specific well i will continue to be specific the the time is of the essence the people are with us the mandate is there we just need the initiative to connect the dots And that's why I need you to send this show to every one of your friends and relatives, whether you agree or disagree with me. Number one, no one else is saying this. Number two, I have my own talking points. Um, It's not the same old, same old. So you'll definitely learn something new each show. So please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Send the show to all your friends and relatives. That's how you can help spread the word. A lot of people are like, Daniel, what could I do? What What could I do? This is the single biggest thing you can do now, spread the word spread freedom, spread truth till tomorrow. God bless y'all. And thank you for listening.